like D&D fuels their imagination and makes them feel special while drawing them deeper and deeper into the bowels of El Diablo. Observe the previously unobservable. I'm attacking the darkness! (laughs) (laughs) Roll the dice to see if I'm getting drunk! Yeah, you are! Are there any girls there? Yeah! Anyone can play. I don't really know the rules. <laughs> Listen, there aren't any rules. It's a game of the imagination. Oh, okay. This is your character sheet. Your name is Titania. I don't know what any of this stuff means. I'll help you. I'm the dungeon master. I control worlds, universes. Okay, you guys can talk to each other now if you want. Welcome to episode 11 of DCRPG, the Hero Points Podcast. I'm your host, Siskoid, and this is our second character profile episode. Uh, this is where Shag or I call up a friend who has uh, or is known for loving a particular character or group of characters and explaining the character's DC Heroes stats to see how they match up to the character as depicted in the comics. For this second episode, I've called one of the hosts of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, responsible for beloved shows such as Supermates, JLU Cast, Superman Movie Minute, and most relevantly, Nightcast, because yes, we're going to sink our teeth into the Dark Knight detective himself. Batman, as portrayed in the DC Heroes role-playing game, welcome to the show, Chris Franklin. Hey, Cisco, how's it going? Let's first talk about your relationship to role-playing games, to tabletop role-playing games. Have you ever played? Is this, is this is this something that is on your radar or part of your hobbies? Well, here here's the funny thing. Like, any connection I have to role-playing is with the DC Heroes game from Mayfair, and Oddly enough, despite having several source books and even miniatures, I never played a single session of the game. Just collecting the the books. Right. Well, it it wasn't because I didn't try. I tried to get some of my friends to actually play the game because I got the game for Christmas the year it came out, I think, which was, what was that, 85, I think, or 86, something like that. I got it for Christmas that year, and I was very excited, you know, and I loved to have all the little cards and you know, the, the, the books that were inside it and the George Perez box art, you know, and it was very exciting to get uh, for Christmas. And I think the following year I got the first edition of the Batman uh, source book. And uh, then over the years, I picked up the Justice League one and the Atlas of the DC Universe and and the Titans one and the Superman Man of Steel one. And uh, I tried to get my friends to play a couple times. And one time we came really close to, you know, we were setting up the. Uh, you know, trying to get everything set up for this, yeah, I don't know what you call it, the session we were going to do, but one of the, it was two brothers and one of the brothers quickly lost interest and then the whole thing just fell apart. So sadly, I never got to play the game. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a very common experience. That is to say, it's trying to start a game, trying to find a group, getting even through character generation. And then it never happens because right. of schedules, because of interest, because, you know, group composition it happens a lot. The number of games that I've failed to start is probably higher than the number of games I have started over <laughs> my 35 year career as a, as a game master. So. Okay. Well, I don't feel so bad then. No, but it's no. a, yeah. It's, and, and the funny thing was this one, one weird thing is I remember I ordered it from, I don't know where I ordered it from. It was some kind of online, it wasn't online, but some kind of uh, – we didn't have online, but some kind of mail order <laughs> yeah. uh, catalog thing. I ordered the uh, – it might have been the Bud Plant, uh, the comic art Bud Plant catalog. 
it might have been from them. They, I got the uh, the Outsiders miniature set, thinking that would have Batman in it. And when I got it in, I was so disappointed that there was no Batman in that set. So then I found the Justice League set, and it did have Batman oh. in it. And, of course, it had Superman, Green Lantern, Green Arrow. So I was very – and Hawkman. I was very happy to find that. But, yeah, so I had the, some of the miniatures and everything and never got to play. So Yeah, I've never <laughs> even seen the miniatures in the wild. So I miniature lists as far as superheroes oh, okay. go. I, you know, whenever I play a superhero role-playing, I usually use, like, random hero clicks if, okay. if we need a miniature kind of – and there I do have a Batman. <laughs> okay, well, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <All right. laughs> um, well, maybe you'll get your chance in 2020 to play this game because, uh, you know, uh, I'll, I'll mention the, our Patreon page later, uh, you know, in the, the comments. But we do have a Patreon page. And one of the goals, uh, one of the stretch goals, if we hit a certain level of uh, investment, is uh, that we have to run, I have to run. You know, an audio role-playing session uh, using DC Heroes. So a special episode of Hero Points that will use various podcasters, various members of the network and outside the network to play a game. And you get to play your favorite hero with maybe Batman. It may not. You know, if the stars align, maybe you'll be on that show. All right. Well, you know, here's my chance, finally. (laughs) (laughs) 35 years later. (laughs) I will say the one other game I did have some experience with. And it's not quite, I don't know if you'll probably like oh, scoff at it, but it was uh, the Hero Quest game that Milton Bradley put out. Sure. It was kind of like a pseudo board game slash role playing game. I played that quite a bit. I did have some friends that we got into that and we painted and we even painted the figures that came with it and things like that. So we did, we did have some fun with that. Yeah. So. My kid, my kid brother had uh, Hero Quest. So uh, yeah, I did, we did play it at home. And I think we also had like Mutant Chronicles and my, my brother had Space Hulk and was, was similar where you, you would put tiles down to create the map, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. Hero Quest had always the same map, I think. And then, yeah. uh, and then you would push characters around and have fights. And it was like, yeah, it was like a, a dungeon delve, basically, yeah. as a board game. It's like a hybrid board game, role-playing game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, let's talk Batman, folks. Uh, you can follow along at fireandwaterpodcast.com, where I will have posted a short image gallery showing the stats we're using. And in this case... From the DC Heroes Second Edition Batman Sourcebook, not to be confused with Mayfair's Batman role-playing game, uh, which was like it's a squat book that you may have. It's, it's pretty much the same, actually. Batman stats here are not, however, the same as the first editions, which had a different upward limit to attributes and so tended to look a bit bloated compared to the rest, and also had like awkward gadget rules. So. We're using second edition Batman, not that the warnings are out of the way. <laughs> you know, Chris, what are you looking for, you know, just before we get into it, what are you looking for as far as a good modeling of Batman? Well, I think, you know, with Batman, it has to, uh, the stats have to reflect his mental capabilities, his intelligence, his deductive skills, his physical attributions, his martial arts knowledge, his acrobatics. I mean, basically, you know, Batman, because Batman is doesn't have any superpowers per se, then you can't, I mean, you know, it's like with Superman, it's easy to kind of, I mean, it's easy to list what his powers are, but then you've got to, you know, well, uh, maybe as far as the game mechanics go, then how's that work? Because then you might get into John Byrne levels of how do you explain 
you know, his uh, flying is that telekinesis or whatever. But but with Batman, it's more like, you know, clicking off all the different uh, the, the peak of human perfection <laughs> uh, uh, type attributes that he would have. And then also, you know, with Batman, you've also got to um, you've got all the gadgets and the equipment he uses, of course. So that's got to That's all got to be represented. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I, I think when I got the first source book and the second one, I think they both represent the Batman of that period, even though it's it's only three years difference. And we'll get into that. But Batman had changed quite a bit, even though there is some carryover from the Earth One pre-crisis Batman into this second source book, even though it came out in 89, well into the post-crisis era. But I, I felt like at the time they represented it pretty well. I mean, the demarcation line is is more or less artificial, but the first edition DCH came out just as Crisis was starting up, you know, th- just around that anniversary. So mm-hmm. all of the statting is very close to what we, we might call it pre-Crisis. And then the second mm-hmm. edition might be post-Crisis. So that's another mm-hmm. reason why we're doing it this way. All right, let's look at the Cape Crusader. How does he compare? First, in terms of attributes, uh, note that a normal person on the street normally has a two in everything. And remember also <laughs> that the point system is exponential, so that a three is twice as much as a two, a four is twice as much as a three, and so on. First up, the physical stats. Uh, you wanted them to be peak perfection, <laughs> you know, human, human perfection. Uh, dexterity is uh, the character's agility and nimbleness. It's what you use to hit something or dodge something. And he has a 10, which is basically the top human score and equivalent to a record-setting gold medal Olympic gymnast. Do we agree? Yeah, I agree because, I mean, even going as far back as, like, origin stories from the, you know, the first few decades of Batman, they would say he, you know, trained to Olympic levels. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think they... They got that, and if they went below that, they'd had a lot of people screaming at him, I think. so. <laughs> His strength is five. Uh, again, that's the human limit uh, in comics, anyway, because uh, it means it means he can lift 900 pounds, which Whoa. sounds outrageous, <laughs> uh, but that's that's what it's implied. So in comic book terms, people are a bit stronger or can push that limit a lot more. Right, yeah, and it'd be interesting, you know, I know for fans of the MCU movies, Captain America is now in the definitely in the super strength category. But but back during this period, especially Captain America was always said to be at the peak of human perfection. And so it'd be interesting to see if you put Captain America in in this game, how he would rate against Batman. You know, because that's kind of when they've done the the DC versus Marvel, and then when they did uh, the the JLA Avengers uh, crossover. That, that's who they matched up against, Batman and Cap, and because they are at the peak of human levels, so it'd be interesting. Is Cap would be would he be at five or would he be up to a six? I, I just wonder. You know, that's just, it just makes me wonder. But yeah, Batman probably yeah five. That should be probably right for Batman because he's he's done some things that are borderline superhuman in his strength, but without saying he is superhuman. So yeah, there, there you go. Yeah. So you don't mind that the, he is considered here like the the Captain America of the DC universe. No, I, I don't I think that matches even pre Bat God. <laughs> I, I think that matches what we saw usually portrayed. I don't think Batman was ever portrayed as as being weaker than than any human that was not super powered or not didn't have some kind of enhanced strength from something, you know, some kind of experiment or venom. technology yeah. or venom or yeah, venom or yeah or something, right, right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh his body, here it gets a little 
wonky for me. That's endurance and general resistance to damage, and it's a six, which which is the absolute upward human limit. Really, the the human limit should be five. Mm. Uh, so this is a point higher than what we would normally consider the limit, although still within a human range, according to the game. What do we think of this? Is, is, is Batman somehow more resistant to fatigue and damage? Yeah, you know, that might maybe uh, Mike Stackpole or whoever, uh, who was the author or whoever actually did the stats, maybe they mingled in Batman's determination <laughs> into his body. Like his, I know there's a separate stat for Will, which we'll get to. But maybe they mix that in. That's the only reason I could see them bumping it to a six. That may be a little much because, you know, we talked about the five being the limit on the strength. So maybe they should have kept that one at five because without there being some kind of, you know, Batman's uh, his his holy war mentality, uh, his 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 thirst for. You know, to eradicate crime, uh, maybe, you know, maybe that is, uh, adds to that, uh, to that body stat, but it, it, that might be pushing it just a little. <laughs> yeah. I think at six, you can sort of shrug off bullets. Uh, so, <laughs> but, you know, martial arts training, there's, there's well, something to ignoring pain and ignoring fatigue and fighting through all of that. So I see where they're getting it from. Uh, it just seems like, oh, now we're, now he has a superpower. Well, and, and, you know, maybe, you know, based on the stories themselves, how many times did Batman have, you know, I've got three cracked ribs, but I got to go on, you know, that type, you know, that yeah, type often. thing. So, so all the time, you know, the poor man's rib cage is powder at this point, you know, so, <laughs> so maybe they are just accounting for all the times that Batman has been pretty seriously injured, but just kept going and said, Oh, he's got to be a six if he can do that. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's look at mental stats. Uh, first is intelligence. It's the ability to think rapidly and your general knowledge. He has a 12, which is massive. Uh, it makes him a genius on par with uh, the foremost authority in the world on any given topic. That's twice as smart as other heroes in this category, like Superman and John Constantine. Should he be the smartest guy in the room? I think Batman is generally portrayed as the smartest guy in the room, at least from when the Justice League all started getting more personalities <laughs> mm-hmm. when they when they moved out of the silver age where their uh their word balloons were basically interchangeable batman became the smart guy he became the mr spock of the justice league in a lot of ways so yeah i i can see that i i can i can actually see that uh, of course like you said it's exponential so batman's twice as smart as superman if right. he's at a 12 and the batman of this period now i mean if they did it they'd probably have him like at a 16 or something probably because he's they've gone to such i mean they've i've kind of scaled it back in the last few years i guess some but uh you know during the uh grant morrison bat god phase in particular it's hard to tell what it would have been at but uh batman of 1989 i think you know i think 12 if superman's at 11 I'll buy Batman at a 12, you know, I, I guess because Batman, he does have to have some slight edge uh, over over Superman and superpowered characters. And that's that's his thing. When he's in a superhero setting in a Justice League setting and a massive crossover, Batman usually is the smartest guy in the room. So, yeah. All right. 
his will, uh, which is the ability to draw conclusions. And it's also obviously willpower. Uh, here again, he has a 12, which means an unyielding determination and fanatical strength, fully able to confront sanity threatening situations on par with Wonder Woman. I would agree with that. Definitely. I think that's, I mean, even maybe more so than the, the intelligence that Batman, you know, I mean, he has, especially because so many of his enemies are psychologically driven. Um, and he has, you know, he gets pummeled with fear gas and he gets, and he gets, uh, the mad hatters, uh, you know, mind control apparatuses thrown at him and, and all these different villains that like basically peel away at his mind one way or another. And he always comes out. Oddly enough, they bring up the cult where, you know, where he was actually broken by Deacon Blackfire. Deacon Blackfire is actually mentioned in this book quite a bit and gets an entry even because he was, you know, it was a recent storyline that that's one of the few times we actually at that time that we actually saw Batman broken, stripped down and and just mentally and physically just beaten. Uh, but, you know, he did come back. So I, I would agree with that, too. Yeah. All right. His mind, a measure of his resistance to mental stress and torture, which is basically what he would have done, you know, used to resist the cult <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, in that case. Once again, a 12. Uh, which represents here peak human fortitude. So, so those guys were pretty bad. And I think, you know, in the storyline, of course, like Deacon Blackfire, like basically, he basically takes control of all the, the homeless and, and the downtrodden in Gotham and basically makes them into an army. Obviously, they're, they don't have the, the, the mental fortitude of, of Batman. Uh, but the, like we said, the fact that Batman is actually able to, uh, come back, he acknowledges it, that he was broken. He is able to say, Hey, I was, I actually was taken down to this level, but he comes back from that. Being the star of detective comics, I love, <laughs> other re- media representations of Batman have often forgotten that. You know, we as comic fans know that, that Batman's mind is a huge, component of the character it's one of the things that uh his intelligence is one of the things that that separates him from the other tight cape set uh so yeah i would agree with that one too let's look at mystical stats or what really are social stats in the case of a character like batman influence is the power of a character's presence and personality you would use it in persuasion interrogation and i guess most importantly i guess intimidation uh roles again something batman should be good at he has a 10, which is described as being able to affect world leaders if he needs to. Mm, wow. He's very convincing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the, the, you know, the Pope or the president or prime minister of any given country, when faced with Batman, would respect that presence, would feel like, whoa, would, would be intimidated or persuaded just by his presence alone, you know, would be awestruck. Right. Well, you know, we got uh, during this era, right before this book came out, we got the the Ten Knights of the Beast, uh, where Batman's interacting with Reagan, and then of course in Death and the Family, uh, all the business with the Joker becoming the Iranian mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, ambassador and all that business, you know. And I mean, I definitely they the government felt Batman was uh, enough of a threat in that arena to send Superman to come talk to him. So they obviously acknowledged that, you know, oh yeah, they're they're they are a bit awestruck, impressed, and obviously a little bit scared of what Batman might do. So yeah, I can see that. And of course, intimidation. I mean, Batman, that's his number one tool, honestly, is striking fear mm. into the, you know, the superstition cowardly. The, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the superstitious cowardly lot of criminals. So yeah, I mean, he should be very, very, very good at that. And I mean, if in fact, if he isn't, then it's all over. The aura is how well 
you know, once you've captured their attention, how well you can affect their actions. So how convincing are you, really? He's got an eight, uh, which means he can gain loyalty and respect upon just appearance. Uh, Warlord, Green Lantern would be in this range, apparently. So getting loyalty and respect like that. One reason why Batman might be an eight in this and not a ten is it's like he, he loses two points, maybe. Uh, he doesn't keep them, uh, if that's how that works. But it might just be because Batman... At least by this era, he's not the Adam West Batman anymore. He's not the, you know, the friend of the people to the point where the, the public friend of the people who can stand up there and, and give a speech and, and stir the crowd emotionally. Uh, at this point, he is, you know, he, he'll appear in front of people when he needs to. He's not the urban legend quite yet. Thank goodness. You know, because he is somewhat socially, um, let's see, I, I don't, socially, I don't want to say awkward, but socially, careless to a point it's like he doesn't care if he's ticking you off when he's telling you something obviously at this point then i can see him he commands respect people respect him but he also you know he can lose people by being too abrupt too gruff you know they'll still do what he says but they're not feeling as good about it you know like i think about the the jli members you know dealing with him like blue beetle might follow his command but he's rolling his eyes at him when he does it you know, yeah. uh, basically. that That's what I'm thinking, where that comes in. So, yeah, that works. Yeah, I thought the same. Spirit, a reflection of the character's spiritual resolve and how difficult uh, he would be to, con- to convince. Uh, this mm-hmm. is rated at 10, a fortitude that cannot be altered even by the blackest life experiences, except that <laughs> initial one. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so this, is, again, is in the same range as Wonder Woman and I think most relevantly, Mr. Miracle, mm. you know, who grew up on Apocalypse. And yet right. still has this bright outlook on life. So Batman had his apocalyptian moment as a child. Uh, but from now on, he his resolve is bulletproof. Right. I think that makes a lot of sense because of basically Batman, I mean, despite the revolving door at Arkham and, you know, the penitentiary, he still gets up every night, not every day, but every night puts the costume on, hops back in the Batmobile and goes back out there because he does unflappingly believe in his mission. Uh, that might be a touch of fanaticism in it, uh, but no, he really does. And he actually, he also believes that at least at this point, and I mean, probably still, you know, now for the most part, that what he's doing is the right way to do it. Not to kill characters like the Joker, despite all the, homicides they have under their belt including personal friends and family members and but because he feels like it's the you know what he's doing is right it's justified and he's doing it the right way he's trying to reach not only is he trying to stop these people from doing what they're doing he's trying to reach them to maybe not rehabilitate them in the manner that like i said before adam west used to talk about you know the rehabilitation process and all that to a point He's not quite as uh, sunny and rosy as that, despite being a very grim person. He still has a, a deep layer of uh, optimism in there, or he wouldn't he wouldn't mm. do what he did. So yeah, and his ethics are ironclad. Is basically what what this means, right? You know, you can't just convince him to to do the wrong thing or a different thing than what he believes is ethical. Yeah. Right. Uh, a quick note on the derivative stats. Uh, just because in case people have questions, initiative is a really a combination of the three active attributes plus bonuses. And a 36 is pretty much, you know, pretty much ensures he always acts first in any given situation. 
uh, <laughs> unless, you know, maybe the Flash goes faster. I think this is normal. Uh, 150 hero points is on the high end of things, more than enough to push his limits, uh, invent gadgets on the fly, and make the best use of his environment in combat. So I think this this all fits Batman, but they're derivative of other things that are happening in character creation process. Skills. Well, this is really where it's at for Batman. You know how to fight six men. We can teach you how to engage 600. You know how to disappear. We can teach you to become truly invisible. He has no powers. He's got skills and many skills and most skills, actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll know that a lot of these stats um, on, on the skills have an asterisk. That means mm-hmm. the skill is linked to its controlling attribute. So basically this means that, for example, acrobatics is 10 because dexterity is 10. And if, mm. if his dexterity drops because of an injury maybe or, you know, some sort of gas, so does his acrobatics. So that makes complete sense. And maybe the game should always be like this. You think all skills would be linked. But mm-hmm. in the game, it's something players can do to lower the cost of skills uh, when you create characters that don't have superpowers. We'll, we'll see how that works in the advantages later. But Batman is basically your, your example. If you're, if you want to make a street level vigilante type, you're looking at Batman and comparing yourself to Batman. So they make sure that Batman is rules exact as to say that, yes, he links his skills and that's what you should do if you want to make a Batman type character. Mm, okay. So acrobatics is 10. That's what I would call comic book level expert. There's like, <laughs> There's like experts and world experts and actual gymnasts and Olympic gymnasts. And then there's the comic book version of that, uh, right. who can do what we would call in the real world impossible, but in comics is pretty usual. If you put him in a situation, he's going to get out of it. If he has to do some flip to get across this giant chasm, he's going to somehow figure out how to do it and make it happen. Uh, it's interesting, though, that I went and looked, just flipped through and found out that Nightwing is also a 10. I would actually say Nightwing should be higher one up. I mean, that's my opinion. I think Nightwing should be more of a because Nightwing is generally shown to be more of an acrobat. I mean, he was aerialist. Principally, <laughs> yeah, principally an acrobat. Uh, and then right. you would give him the edge so that he would have his own expertise when the two are paired up. So I would, if, if you're going to leave Nightwing at 10, I'd make Batman a 9 or bump Nightwing up to an 11. <laughs> yeah, no, sure. He's also got artist, actor only. Uh, he's no painter or novelist. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, actor, this is to simulate that he's a master of disguise. Uh, you know, this book also has not really stats, but, you know, a page about Matches Malone, which is one of his identities, but mentions mm-hmm. plenty of others that he's taken up. Uh, it's rated at eight, which puts him in the same league as the very best Oscar winning actor. So who knew mm. that he was the Meryl Streep of the JLA? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I mean, as many times as Batman has pulled a rubber mask off of his cowl, you know, if he can convince people that he's somebody else with a rubber mask over top of his pointy ears on his cow. He's one hell of an actor. Uh, so, yeah, I think he deserves an eight right there, just for that alone. Just <laughs> Okay. Then we have Charisma 12. Now, this is a special skill uh, that relates to your social stats. Basically, uh, he can decide that in any given interaction, he can have 12 influence, 12 aura, or 12 spirits. So he can replace that 10 or that 8 with that 12. Uh, so, for example, that would mean that if he needs to convince a legendary character or generate a myth of his own, now, you know, one of those stories where Batman passes in the night and then it's like a hundred years later, there's a legend about Batman. Mm-hmm. 
or shed off fear completely, he can invoke his charisma. That's what that skill is for. Okay, well, that's kind of nebulous but uh, to, to a non-player like myself. But we've seen enough stories where Batman has done things like that. So I... You know, and part of that is because different writers come in, different editors come in who have a different idea of what Batman is. And that is one thing because Batman has changed so much, more so than a lot of characters over the decades. The portrayal of him has changed. Then, you know, that influences how some of these these different stats can ebb and flow and and uh you know which batman are you talking about you know here uh you know so i mean we're talking about batman of 1989 who isn't like i said before it's kind of like when ryan ryan are covering on nightcast he's not quite the post-crisis batman that we think of in our head just yet he's still got some of that uh earth one pre-crisis batman in him because they haven't filled in all the holes yet uh, and in fact, this book still references a lot of things that we later will know is not canon for the post-crisis Batman, mm. but nobody had told us otherwise, you know, references to untold legend of the Batman. There are a lot of them still in here, you know, so, and that's definitely not canon, you know, anymore. So, uh, or won't be so, uh, but you know, Batman, you know, he's got that somewhat mythical quality about him that he can, you know, rise to whatever occasion. So, yeah, that makes sense. Detective, that would be an important one. Mm-hmm. He gets a 12. <laughs> Processing clues and so on, uh, that's what you would use it for. 12 is the tipping point between the greatest human potential and truly preternatural levels of competence. Sherlock Holmes might have a 12. A Batman is, he's always called the world's greatest detective in, in the comics. I mean, yeah, anything less than this would really kind of be an insult <laughs> to all those stories, yeah. You could play Batman 66 with the, these levels, with this number, not all these mm-hmm. levels, because, I, you know, he's not much of an acrobat in the show. But mm-hmm. the preternatural level of, you know, it's like those jumping to conclusions uh, yes. that are always right. That's, I think, 12 is on that cusp of... It's almost ridiculous. Right, yeah. I mean, you know, Batman, uh, how many stories have there been where Batman, you know, explains how he reasoned out who the criminal was or or found them or what they were after. And, you know, an awestruck Robin just is, you know, shaking his head like, wow, you know, will I ever be this good? You know, basically, definitely Batman. If if he's not at a 12, I wonder what uh, Longgated Man's at. Uh, is he at 11 or something? <laughs> Hold on, that's easy to check. Oh no, they only gave him a six. Oh, that's not right. So that's a, you know, that's a problem for whoever does the character profile for Ralph Dibney. <laughs> yes, that's wrong. They can complain about that. Gadgetry is 12. So that's also the, basically that same preternatural level. Um, he can build anything, basically. Batman, Gadgeteer, you're good with that? Yeah, I mean, we've seen Batman. Uh, build stuff on the fly. We've seen him, you know, basically be a proto MacGyver in a lot of in a lot of ways. You know, over the years, he's he's made do with what he had. In addition to what he's got in his utility belt, I mean, heck, the Adam West Batman alone getting out of death traps. If he's using his belt buckle to reflect a beam of light to you know cut through a rope or something, well, I guess that's gadgeteering in a way. So, although that's less gadgetry and more thief. Which is another of his skills because escape artist is in there. Oh, okay. Well, let okay. me skip ahead quickly <laughs> since we're talking about it. Thief is escape artist, forgery, locks and safes, pickpocketing, security systems, and of course stealth. 
and they gave him mm. a 10 in uh, this department. Uh, makes him a comic book expert you know, within human reason, but still able to do you know, the crazy stuff that we see in comics. I think if they put Batman at 12 at everything, it'd be a little much. So <laughs> yeah. I think I think putting him at a 10 here and there, which I mean, because 10 is perfectly... Uh, you know, it's still super impressive, apparently, and just uh, you know, like you said, it's it's uh, it's at you know comic book level. It's not at near superhuman level, but it's still at you've got to be the best of the best to to pull this off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can totally buy that. And these skills are linked. So basically, thief is linked to dexterity normally. So dexterity ten. This also gets a ten. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, going back now uh, alphabetically, martial artist. 10. This is comic book level genius. It ups his initiative, just like charisma. It can also replace a physical stat. That's basically what it does. His dexterity is already 10. Can't change dex. But it means he can hit with a strength of 10, which is enough to break concrete with martial arts. And he can be Mm. hit as if he had a 10 in body, which is about as much as Big Barda. Uh, so he could fend off a punch from a super strong enemy. Well, technically a high caliber bullet, but you know, that's up to the game master to, to, to referee that. But this is meant to be martial arts. It's, you know, skin of, of, uh, of steel, kind of iron hands kind of stuff. Have we seen this in comics? I mean, I'm thinking, looking at all this Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, uh, artwork in this book. Makes me think of, of uh, Batman versus the Incredible Hulk, which Rob just covered on mm-hmm. Treasury Cast with Ryan. And I mean, you know, it <laughs> it's somewhat controversial, but Batman survived a battle with the Hulk. So, you know, and even managed to uh, strike a blow hard enough to make the uh, Hulk exhale and then inhale the gas that was in the room. Uh, which knocked him out. That alone, I know that's not quite continuity. No, by this Batman, definitely not continuity. That uh, inference alone is enough to say, yeah, I can buy that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, he often pushes his limits, you know. Military science. This one includes camouflage, cartography, demolition, uh, electronic countermeasures, and tracking. Uh, he's got a five. It's his weakest skill. It's not linked. And yet, it just still makes him an expert a step above most professionals. Five is pretty good. Mm. But don't worry, folks. Sergeant Rock has a 10 in this department. So, you know, it's still a, ni- <laughs> it's still a niche that, that, that that's filled better by other characters. So a little bit of military science for Batman? Yeah, I can see that. I mean, it's it's according to what you're breaking down and, I mean, what you listed in there. I mean, I don't know. Tracking might be a little bit higher because it seems like Batman's always able to you know, find his quarry no matter how they try to elude him. And a lot of times it's almost Jason Voorhees level where, you know, it seems like they're, you know, literally, you know, running or they're on a boat or a plane or whatever. And then whenever they get where they're at, there's Batman standing there waiting for him, you know, basically. Um, like we said, we can't, we can't have everything at a 12. And if five is still the best of the best, like, you know, he's not military. He was never in the military. Uh, he was not, he was never a part. I mean, the closest we get with Batman in this type of situation is probably when he was training with uh, uh, Henry Ducard or um, the Harrison fellow or the, the guy that uh, that first uh, Legend of the Dark Knight storyline. He was tracking with that detective, uh, tracking a criminal. That maybe, you know, would maybe bump him up a little. But yeah, five's fine. Five, maybe six, but yeah, five. Five's not bad. Well, maybe they should have given him a specialty in tracking instead. Just never mind the rest. Just say he has military science tracking, and then they can 
they can go higher and right. it doesn't look so suspect. Scientist is 12. It's on par with gadgetry. He can do pretty much anything with a chemistry set. So it's similar. I think he's more of an engineer than the scientists often, but uh, that is part of his character. Yeah, the only thing, you know, I mean, we there's that one, uh, the panel in like the, the first Batman origin that shows him with test tubes and goggles on, you know, and he's mm. pouring one test tube into another. And, and then all the times that, you know, him and Robin would use some kind of chemical compound to uh, find some kind of hidden clue on some object, maybe using off-the-shelf chemicals. It's not like concocting something, but uh, but still, you got to know how to use it, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah. So, I, I, you know, maybe a scientist maybe shouldn't be quite up to twelve. Maybe it should be like a ten. But you know, we've seen enough to say that, yeah, you know, maybe bump military science up to a six and drop this one down to a ten. But it's not too bad. <laughs> and then he has vehicles ten, uh, which makes him able to drive and pilot anything. And do all the action stunts that we've seen. So I think that one works. I think one of the things that's helped his popularity over the years, especially because his popularity a lot of times depends on the licensing of the toys and everything that's that's out there. Is uh, you know, as a as a toy collector myself, obviously the Batman vehicles are a huge component of his mystique. And toy companies love getting the Batman license because they can make Batmobiles and Bat cycles and Batcopters and Batplanes all day long. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's a that's a big it's almost more of a bigger part of Batman outside the comics than in Mm. uh, in a lot of ways. You know, it's like uh, Batman can go a whole year without you ever even seeing the Batmobile in the comic. But if they do a movie and there's not a new Batmobile, everybody's going to be ticked off, you know? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. that's, you expect it, you know, you expect it because since the 66 Batmobile was the coolest thing on wheels, everybody expects it, you know? So, uh, yeah, but that's, that's an important part. And yeah, 10 makes a lot of sense. Weaponry is also 10, uh, makes him a comic book level expert on any weapon, even guns. Uh, but in game terms, because he already, already has a dexterity of 10, normally you would replace, you'd say, well, I use a weapon, so I'm going to use my weapon skill instead of using my dexterity, see? Mm-hmm. Uh, so here, it, you know, if both are 10, what's it good for? So what it does is mostly it adds the ability to repair and unjam weapons, but it's also uh, an innate familiarity with exotic weapons that normally the game master uh, would say, whoa there, bub, do you know how to use that? If another character with a good weapon skill or, or no weapon skill might be able to pick up you know, a spear or a sword or a gun, but uh, only Batman or somebody with weaponry could actually use bow and arrow, could actually use a bola, could actually use, well, nunchucks or whatever, an exotic weapon. Yeah, well, yeah, I think that makes sense. We've seen Batman do that a lot of times, and I'll, I'll still think about that one story that's I think it was a little bit – it was right around the time this book came out where Batman's uh, – I think it was a Jim Starlin issue where he's fighting a bunch of ninjas and they're in a kitchen and he actually uses a frying pan to fight them off. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> I know that's not exotic, but the way he uses it – I mean who else would think how to, to use a frying pan to catch throwing stars? Uh, you know, uh, they like sink into the pan instead of going into him and then he whacks a couple of the ninjas in the head with it. So – I mean, Batman's really good at, at picking up whatever objects around and using it, you know, whether it's, I mean, I, I could just imagine him, you know, like if they were in a fight on Apocalypse, he picks up uh, Barda's mega rod and just starts using it. You know, I mean, you can you can almost see it, you know, so the animated Batman on, on JLU seemed to do that type of stuff a lot. He was very adept at doing those things. So, yeah, it, it 
that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, weaponized kitchenware, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so basically, the only skills he doesn't have are animal handling, medicine, and occultist. Would you agree? You know, medicine, I, I don't know. I mean, we've seen Batman be an expert on poisons and, and things like that. So, you know, and maybe his connection to uh, Leslie Tompkins should give him, a, and his dad, in fact, uh, because his dad being a doctor and and maybe consulting uh, notes that his dad would have maybe should give him a slight edge in medicine. But uh, a cultist other than, you know, running into Batman seems to fall under what a lot of comic characters do. He he runs into things like vampires and, and characters like the Spectre, but then also, you know, has a hard time believing there are supernatural occult uh, things in the universe that actually exist. So one minute he's completely accepting of it and the next minute he can't believe it. So, uh, yeah, th- that's definitely a detriment. <laughs> yeah. Well, you wouldn't see Batman normally practice rituals and the, the kind of stuff no. that occultists might might allow you to do. No, unless Bob Haney's writing it or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've seen Batman on a horse, but uh, that doesn't mean he necessarily has animal handling. I think he's just persuading the horse. With... <laughs> right, right. Well, you know, like, that's, if you if you tie in the, um, the Dark Knight uh, – Dark Knight Returns. Apparently, Bruce Wayne does have horses on his uh, on his property uh-huh. at, at Wayne Manor. So maybe if you included that, uh, you know that's that's where they get their horses later in the the blackout and everything. So, but you know that's a future story and and uh, not canon. So maybe uh, maybe down the line, if they had a separate entry for that Batman, he would have uh, the animal handling skills or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what about Ace? We don't have Ace, you know, right? So. No, exactly. <laughs> How trained is he? Okay, let's move on to advantages. That's another big one for Batman. Now, just to put him in his world, he has area knowledge of Gotham City, so he knows it like the back of his hand, uh, and high-level connections to Arkham Asylum, Gotham City Prison, the GCPD, Gotham University, oh, uh, and at this point, Justice League International, also Superman, and The Street. <laughs> uh, that means he can call on their help readily, you know, get information from any of these people uh, and yeah. small, uh, small favors, perhaps. Batman to all points. I could use some air support since I can't fly at all. That's his world as it existed in 89, I guess. Yeah. Gotham yeah. University, I guess, yeah, you know, when, whenever you need an expert, you don't know. <laughs> he knows every professor or something. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it's Bruce Wayne. He can call up and say... Mm. Hey, I just gave you that grant. Could you give me some information on this? You know, uh, which I mean, that's kind of like in the first episode of, uh, the animated series with the man bat. You know, he calls up the professor that's working with Langstrom and says, Hey, I got a, some bats or something making noise in my chimney. Uh, can you listen to this recording and tell me what that is? You know, that type of thing. So, so yeah, I guess, um, yeah, that, that makes sense. Maybe it should be a medium. I don't know if it should be high. And I'm not sure Superman should be high at this point. They haven't quite thawed out to each other yet here. And there's even a section in this book that talks about that. I mean, I'm not saying Superman won't come when Batman calls, but I'm not, you know, it's got to be the right circumstance, you know, for them to, uh, you know, I know Bat- Superman had Batman investigate that scrapbook that ends up being Maul Kent's scrapbook that was stolen mm-hmm. and, he figures out Clark Kent, Superman, and all that. Yeah, I don't know if it should be that one should be high. Maybe those two should be medium. Yeah, I, I don't. The game doesn't have medium. It's it's either low or high. So. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> but, there but you go. Low, it should yeah. be high then. Yeah. It should be high then. Okay. <laughs> well, maybe low because I mean this may be a throwback to the earlier Batman. It's like they're referencing World's Finest, but 
we're not quite there yet, actually, in continuity. Right, right. Yeah, I don't disagree. Additionally, they gave him connoisseur. Uh, that's an appreciation for the finer things, antiques, the arts, food, fashion. So he can appraise anything and can also make good conversation, uh, which can be used to give him persuasion bonus uh, in certain situations. So this is all, this is more of a Bruce Wayne thing. Right, right. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing, too. We, we're, you know, while we're doing all this, we've got to remember that occasionally Bruce Wayne does enter into the, <laughs> enter, enter into the picture, which, you know, as the, the post-crisis Batman relied a lot less on Bruce Wayne, uh, than the previous versions of, of the character, uh, unfortunately, I think. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's, he's still in there, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And he has, you know, he has his own skill set, uh, in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman's got genius, which means he can use gadgetry to create items that are beyond the technological level of our time. So the science fiction stuff that he might create, he needs genius to do that. That's what the advantage means. Yeah, that makes sense because, I mean, he's literally got laser beams in the Batmobile that shoot out of the the headlights. So, you know, yeah. (laughs) In the DC universe, that's not uncommon, but it's still, yeah, the dude's doing that in a cave. You know, I mean, I know he's rich, but... He's doing that on his own in a cave and laser beams to his car. So, yeah, he's got to be a genius. <laughs> the next one up is intensive training. Now, this is the advantage that allowed him to link all those skills. Uh, mm. It's something that makes skills cheaper, but power is more expensive. It's really a point-saving exercise when you're building your street-level character. So, you know, they can have you know an edge to be able to, to compete with characters that do have powers in the same team. Uh, but it also, I guess it says something about Batman and his lifestyle, the fact that he trains a lot and, you know, is, is kind of obsessive about training. And really, the fact that no one's planning to give him any superpowers. This is when you got intensive training, it's sort of saying uh, this character, you know, even if you're controlling him, even if you get enough hero points that you would want to buy a superpower, it's going to be incredibly expensive. So mm. don't do it. It's like you're promising yeah, this character will never evolve into a super-powered character. Mm, okay, well, that's kind of built in so you don't yeah. basically he screw can't, Batman he up. Can't be, <laughs> he can't be bitten by a radioactive bat on some adventure and then suddenly develop sonar or, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's what it means. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. <laughs> Iron Nerves uh, means he's unusually resistant to fear and intimidation. And this, in a way that the attributes don't show, is that it includes fear powers. So the scarecrow's gas and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. he can resist and shrug off more easily because of his iron nerves. So that ties back into kind of the some of the other things we were talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. that works. Leadership uh, in the game means he can share hero points with others who are acting according to his plan or are otherwise inspired by him. Uh, of course, he leads the Bat family, mm-hmm. but also at this point or, you know... Or recently, not at this point, but recently, The Outsiders, uh, in a, a book that showed him to be a terrible leader, which, <laughs> which is one of the reasons I, I'm always, uh, you know, saying bad things about The Outsiders is <laughs> I felt like Mike Barr really made Batman kind of intractable and sort of like he's, he's running this team, but he's all, he's not giving them all the information. And, but then he's criticizing all their work and uh, not trusting them and going out on his own. And then they come and save him. And then he's unhappy about being saved. I felt like he was a terrible leader in that book, which makes me question leadership here. Although rationally, I know that uh, he does have that in, in everyday life. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I mean, the way that he was portrayed when he had, his own team where he was most definitely in charge, not just a rotating chairman among peers like the Justice League. 
Um, he, yeah, he pretty much botched that. Yeah. And I mean, fact, and when they did the, the crossover with the new Teen Titans, Robin Dick just called him out on it. He basically called him out as like, you're a horrible leader. I've been doing this much longer than you. Mm. Shut up and listen to me, which is a great moment. <laughs> and in other it. words, <laughs> Mike Barr knew what he was doing. It's not, you know, it's not like I was questioning it all the way through, but then those issues you're going, okay, so Mike Bart knows. He knows. Right. Yeah. He's doing it on purpose. You know, it's like Batman left the Justice League and started a new team, but he's still a loner. He's still, you know, he doesn't quite fit the team. He left one team and shouldn't have founded another, basically. Right. Right. Basically. Yeah. He, he needed them and he used them as tools, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they felt that way, you know, and that's why they eventually split. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's, Mike Barr was, and, and Ryan and I've talked about this on Nightcast because we've been covering his stuff. He was one of the first that really portrayed the unlikable side of Batman. The he he took that logical step of saying, okay, a guy this obsessed would not always be the easiest person to get along with. I mean, that's not from Frank Miller. That's not from you know this post Dark Knight. I mean, Barr was doing that in the Outsiders book before the Dark Knight Returns ever even came out. So, uh, yeah, so Batman, yeah, and I mean, with the Justice League International, you know, at first Batman is the leader, despite what Guy Gardner thinks, but uh, he's a little more, even though honestly, <laughs> in a lot of ways, that Justice League deserved the Batman, who was more of a prick, honestly, uh, he's a little less of it to them, because, you know, they're borderline incompetent at times, sorry, Shag, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, um <laughs> You know, but he's basically like, you know, he gets on him, but he's also, you know, crack, a, you know, he understands how he's got to relate to him. He will crack a joke, make a Star Trek reference to, to get along, to get to get Beetle, Blue Beetle on his side and and get him to do what he wants or whatever. So, yeah, he's a little bit he's a little bit better at it with the Justice League, oddly enough, even though he does punch guy. But, you know, he really did have it coming. Uh, but but yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so it's it's interesting. And it's also really interesting just, just a brief aside, you look at this second edition of the uh, source book versus the first edition. The first edition came out in 86, had a page as page for each member of the outsider. Each outsider had a profile page to themselves, a whole big section on the outsiders. They barely get mentioned in this one, really. Yeah. No, it's a thing of the past. Uh, so I think he, he rules by fear, most, mm-hmm. but it's still a form of leadership. It still means he can use it. They, they they know he's the leader and he can use it in game terms to share hero points with them, which is good because he's got a lot of them, you know. Right. So right. Um, that's part of it is the sort of aura, leadership aura that a character, uh, the fact that he can share his massive amount of hero points is useful in the game. Uh, he's got lightning reflexes. It's another bonus uh, to his initiative for having quick reflexes. I think that's just part of that previous conversation and mm-hmm. sharp eye which means he has an eye for detail which of course gives him a bonus on all perception checks mm-hmm. useful yeah. for the detective part of him batman is going to notice he's going to notice something that no one else in the room is ever going to notice he's going to he's he when he walks into a room he he looks at everybody in there and kind of knows what that person who that person is what their background is you know, where they probably like what state they're from, you know, their, yeah, he sure <laughs> their, locks their yearly income. Yeah, yeah they're, he sure locks them. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here's what's missing, you know, according to me, but uh, uh, or maybe it's not missing. You tell me. So 
he doesn't have attractive, uh, which I know Batman doesn't as a persona, but would Bruce Wayne be able to use attractive, which is actually being more persuasive, more magnetic with people, especially of the opposite sex or opposite orientation would be more pliable because of his physical attractiveness. Would would you give Bruce Wayne attractive? Oh yeah, that's definitely, if that's a thing that should have definitely been in here because I mean, I, all these stories are just popping in my head, but I think about um, the Justice League International issue where he's undercover as Bruce Wayne in Bialya with fire and she just can't keep her hands mm, off of him. And yeah. she even says, you're so attractive. He's like, remember, this is just a disguise. I promise you I'm hideous underneath this. <laughs> uh, and of course, that's his face. you know. But so, I mean, that alone right there tells you Bruce Wayne is like drop dead, handsome. I mean, every actor that's ever played Bruce Wayne's been pretty handsome. Uh, he's a handsome guy. Yeah, I mean, of course, the idea of him being wealthy and a jet set playboy and you can go have fun and go do all these crazy things with him, of course, makes him attractive as well. But he is physically attractive. He's a handsome guy. So, yeah. <laughs> Another thing that I might have added is the scholar advantage. Uh, mm. And there is a form of scholar, the full price scholar, because uh, you can be scholar on in a specific thing that is not covered in the skills, for example. So, like we we might have scholar comic books. <laughs> that's yeah. how that's how we would be modeled. But uh, the full price one makes him an expert on all manner of trivia. It's basically the, the trivia master. And I think I might have given that to Batman. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking yeah. of the JLA Batman, the the Bad God, as you called him earlier. Yeah, um, but. He knows something about everything. Batman does, just in general. I mean, going back to, uh, I mean, definitely Adam West always knew everything that was going on. Unless they wanted to portray, occasionally they would portray that Robin knew more than Batman at some points. But Batman, you know, Bruce Wayne usually knew everything that was going on in every sector of, of Gotham City. You know, there's this new exhibit of blah, blah, blah at the at the museum that must tie into King Tut, you know, and all that type of thing. So, yeah, I mean, and that's also in the comics, Batman is always able to relate the general knowledge, the general, I mean, he always has like, you know, historical reference to a case. Like if it does involve uh, some Egyptian artifact, he knows what dynasty it's from, you know, I mean, uh, just off the top of his head. So yeah, that, that should have been in there for him. Definitely. Yeah. I guess you could always use connoisseur for most of this or, and detective mm. for the rest. Uh, and maybe they didn't want to over egg the pudding, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I still think that might've been, you know, uh, a good advantage for Batman. The other ones that are missing are actually covered elsewhere in the book. It's just sometimes they put it down there. Some other times they just sat it out somewhere else. Uh, and this would be, for example, headquarters uh, is technically an advantage to the Batcave, but the Batcave gets its own pages. Um, mm. Silent assistant is an advantage that someone can take. So obviously Alfred and maybe even Leslie Tompkins are th that type of character that you can call on and that are working in the shadows to help your hero. Even Sidekick is, in the third edition, Sidekick is actually a um, is something you can take. So obviously the, the Robins would all fit that mold. Uh, but it, it's also, well, if somebody else plays a Sidekick, then it doesn't make sense to pay for it, uh, so, so to speak. These are all covered elsewhere in, in the book as entries of their own. So we'll let that pass. Now, okay. the opposite of advantages is drawbacks. Up first is his catastrophic irrational attraction to justice. <laughs> so these irrational attractions are obsessions or, and a lot of his villains have this, you know, I, I 
cannot help himself but leave a clue, or all the crimes have to be about jokes or the number two, or that kind of stuff would be irrational attractions. In his case, it's justice. Uh, he's not just motivated by seeking justice, which is his motivation here. Uh, he mm-hmm. can't help himself. When he sees justice needs to be done, he can't easily ignore it. He'd have to roll uh, against great odds. Catastrophic is is the like the worst. Right. Yeah. I think that makes total sense. And then going back to the outsiders, um, you know, Batman quit the Justice League because they wouldn't help him go to Markovia and get Lucius Fox out when a revolution happened when he was there doing a business trip. Uh, so, you know, that's to the point Batman's like, I gotta go. My friend is there. He's innocent of any crime. He's being held in this country that's at war. We gotta go in and get him. And the Justice League's like, nah, the UN said we can't go. And he's like, screw you guys. I quit. You know, and then I was like, I'll find a team of my own to go do it. So that alone tells you right there that, you know, he is, it's it, that irrational, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, he's going to throw away all those years of of friendship and and being a team member of the Justice League because he he couldn't just let even if it wasn't his friend he probably wouldn't be able to to let that go because that's just Batman that makes a that that makes a lot of sense it sounds horrible when you put it that way uh, but <laughs> catastrophic irrational attraction <laughs> to justice but yeah it it makes a lot of sense for the character the next one is interesting because most of this is Batman as he is. Today, they don't make references to, well, outsiders, high connection, or that kind of stuff. So they're Mm -hmm. really talking about 1989's Batman, except they also give him mistrust during his first year. So if somebody wanted to play year one, they would have to add mistrust, uh, which means that uh, before he was embraced by the GCPD, I guess it means he's considered a criminal by the authorities and he would be a fugitive in their eyes. It's a complication for the hero. But it's the only stat that they give to say, to say, well, the past version of Batman had this, uh, but they don't do that anywhere else in the in, on the page. Well, anytime they replace the the commissioner, oh yeah, it's, it's back to being mistrusted by the authorities. So, right, uh, right. Gordon is the that thin beige line, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, secret identity. Well, that's a no brainer. I think we can we just take that as a given. And then traumatic flashbacks. To Crime Alley. So when Batman encounters his trigger, uh, which they say is Crime Alley, so being there, mentioning it, uh, something that reminds him of it. Martha, why did you say that name? That's your call as a game master, I suppose. Uh, he is plunged into a flashback of his parents' murder uh, unless he resists with a dice roll, which means attacks can blindside him, that kind of thing. But it distracts him considerably is what it means. Yeah. Uh, and that explains uh, there, there are a lot of flashbacks to, to the murder. Yeah, somebody should do like, a, you know, a super cut, a comic book <laughs> version of a super cut of it uh, across the years because it happens quite a lot. But it means that when a character goes through this, it actually paralyzes them. It actually makes it harder for them to, to fight because they're it's like they're seeing it. It's PTSD, I guess. They're seeing it in their minds. And it's odd. It's interesting that this Batman post-crisis is when this really kicked in because um, I always think about uh, Detective Comics number 500, the wonderful Alan Brenner, Dick Giordano story to kill a legend. Batman wakes up from the nightmare of seeing his parents murdered and he says, I haven't had that nightmare in years. Mm-hmm. And you, you go from that in 1980, 81 to 1986. Every time I close my eyes, I see my parents die. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, Batman can't even blink without seeing his parents die. You know, he's so emotionally crippled. You know, it's just, 
<laughs> it's a, you know, at this point, it's like, you know, I think about the superpowers episode where uh, he's in crime alley and the fear transmitter goes off and that's what triggers him. That makes sense. Right. But it's like a few years later, I mean, anything can like trigger that in him at this point. It's almost like uh, they, they, they went too far with it. In other mm. words, they went overboard with it. I think with the character, I mean, of course it would be, I, I maybe that's more the more realistic uh, way to approach it as a, like a, you said, a PTSD type uh, situation. Uh, but at the same time, it definitely became almost like Batman's kryptonite in yeah. a lot of ways. Because <laughs> I've seen it done well in comics, like uh, Batman's following somebody and that person leads him to Crime Alley, maybe accidentally, and it takes him by surprise. And then there's like this moment and then he loses mm -hmm. his prey. So that would be a good example of it. But um, mm -hmm. it'd be fun at the table. Somebody plays Batman and you keep reminding him of his parents' murder <laughs> over and over yeah. and over. And it's like, and then you have to tell the tale every time. You're just repeating those words. You know, pearl necklace, all of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, next up is equipment. Just get those wonderful toys. They just give us a list without stats because they're all on another page. Before we flip to that section uh, and peruse it rather quickly, I mean, we've been at this for a while, uh, mm -hmm. we should mention Batman's wealth which allows them to have all those neat gadgets. It's rated at 20 APs. Uh, that is an annual income of $800 million in 1980s money. So not quite, not quite a billionaire. No, is not that what quite. We're yeah, that's mm. the, not quite a billionaire <laughs> yet. Uh, but, but with inflation, he was. Right, right. He, right, he was yeah. one of today's billionaires, you know. I'd like to do a, a deep dive on that at some point, at some point. At what point did Bruce Wayne go from being just an idle, rich millionaire who had up until the 60s he really didn't have any kind of business he might have invested in things but there was no uh wayne enterprises yeah. no wayne rich no, rich air yeah rich air type thing yeah and, and and he started the alfred foundation when alfred was killed briefly and then when alfred came back uh he called it the wayne foundation and then that was just a charitable organization you know uh, wasn't really a, a, a business business. And then somehow that turned into Wayne Enterprises and Wayne Tech. And, but it, it what, you know, it just kind of like slowly snuck in to the comics and, and then it, it became more important in the other media, like the Nolan films, where it's the backbone of, of Batman's crusade because, you know, yeah. you make Lucius Fox a more important character. And, uh, you know, the 80s were more corporate minded. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. Wall Street and all of that stuff kind of mm -hmm. hit the zeitgeist. And I think that's probably where, uh, by, you know, by making Batman more part of a realistic world, that, that's where it happened. Where before it right. was just, you know, just waved away. Rich right. people, you know, if you look like, right. if you look at movies from the 30s and 40s, it's all about rich heirs and playboys and debutantes and socialites. You never see them do any work. This is not like, right. you know, it's, it's all great Gatsby kind of stuff. Right. And then, you know, when, when, but today, when we understand rich people, the, the top 1%, we're thinking corporate stuff. That's true. Yeah. yeah, that's that's probably right. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, look what they did with Lex Luthor in the 80s. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, <laughs> okay, well, here's the equipment stuff. Stuff that's in the utility belt, uh, batarangs, of course, uh, which to me are sort of missing an effect uh, attribute because it's like, do they do damage when they hit someone in the noggin? Or uh, I think here it's just meant to be an extension of Batman's physical stats or weaponry to do special attacks like disarming and whatnot, that kind of thing. Because they've got razor rings that do damage, but batarangs mm -hmm. don't. Uh, so this is a, a weird one. They give it gliding two, which means it can effectively be thrown 40 feet. 
but really, I mean, the object is gliding. And does you know? It's just a thrown thing. Just right. give us a range on it. I, it's a th- this one's wonky. I don't think that this works as a useful item in the game. No, it's Un- like, unless it, you've read a lot of Batman comics, in which case you're just making it do anything you want, which right. is fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a batarang to me, it's like. Uh, throwing a batarang is almost like, you know, throwing a baseball at somebody, you know, basically it's not so much, it's not gliding. It's like, it's, you're throwing it. It's yeah. not, I, I don't know if that gliding is even the right term to use. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, the bat call, uh, this calls bats with the power of animals summoning 12. So that's about a four miles radius. And this gadget, so if people are looking at it on the website, has a, you know, a, a notation that is R hashtag, uh, number. And that is what we call a reliability number. It means that if you re- roll real low, in this case, uh, three on a, on your two 10 sided dice, it breaks down. So these are items that don't have charges per se, but they can, you know, batteries can run down or they can malfunction. And the reliability number is basically your chance to, to have a critical failure mm. on the item when you use it. Uh, this is a better, mechanic than what they had in the previous edition which had charges on everything so okay you know like sure a gun has a number of bullets but it had charges on radios and that kind of thing which really didn't simulate the real world never mind comics where (laughs) your stuff is good you know all the time so this is the bat call i mean we've seen it even in movies right yeah i'm not sure how often it's used in comics per se but it is something that we know he has the bat line uh, has a strength of eight, which means it can hold up to 6.8 tons, more than enough for Batman and Vicky Vale. <laughs> Whether or not she lies about her weight. Yeah, you weigh more than 108. <laughs> but does she weigh more than 6.8 tons? So this is not. A, it's pretty strong tensile strength uh, for uh, the bat line, I think. Mm, <laughs> I question it. Yeah. The bat rebreather, uh, they give that sealed systems is the power to ignore breathing conditions, basically. Uh, it seems to have enough air for four hours uh, because it's rated at 12 APs. Wow, there's a lot of air in those little tiny canisters that fit in the capsule of the utility belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so- <laughs> That's why you got genius working for you, you know? That's right. There you go. <laughs> um, the, the belt also has a bat torch. It shoots heat. They call it heat vision, of course, because it's a lot of these powers are named after Superman uh, as a tribute. Mm-hmm. But it, all, it always seems very silly to me because they're not actually vision uh, right. related. Uh, it's rated at nine, which is lethal. So Batman would use it on a person. And they do mention that the infrared flashlight uh, and bat goggles gives him thermal vision 12, which basically you can see in the dark for about four miles. Can wow. I even, can I even see it four miles? No. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, it just means it works. Uh, in right. whatever conditions, don't, don't ask too much of it. Micro cassette bat recorder has the power of recall 12, which is a lot. Uh, it could hold Batman's audiobook reading of War and Peace. <laughs> That's what it means. I, wow. you know, I figured him more for a, to be a Dostoevsky man myself, but, uh, right, right, right. maybe. <laughs> um, the miniature bat camera also has recall 12, which means it can hold about four hours of video, uh, which is pretty good for 1989. Oh, yeah. I got to say, yeah. I mean, today that's nothing but plastic bat explosives were basically six mini grenades. They're bomb seven, which is enough to blow a hole through a wall. We've seen this. Yeah, we have. The razor wings, uh, eight of them are weaponized versions of the batarang that they mention is they're brand new. You know, there's a new addition. And yeah. they have an EV, which is like the their damaging power of two, which is pretty weak. But he can throw four at a time. And I guess he's really using them to cut through ropes and rip your pants off or something. Well, he, he throws them in people's hands. He's like basically like the Lone Ranger shooting at uh, people's hands 
and and so they, they they drop their guns. That's what that's what you see a lot. Like in Batman Year One, he's using them for. So it, I guess it makes sense. You know, it's it's just it's just deep enough to it goes in deep enough just to to make you drop your weapon so then he can come and kick the crud out of you. I guess. <laughs> well, it does mention that he puts poison on them, or mm-hmm. one of them has a tracking device, but they don't give any stats for this. So hmm. that's uh, that's a little error on the part of the source book, I think. It becomes a spider tracer at that point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they do mention trank darts as well, which are not actually in the list in the first block uh, on the Batman's mm-hmm. thing, but uh, they have a poison touch of four. So I'm thinking, okay, well, if if we're doing the razor the razor wings or razor wings or <laughs> whatever you want to call them, <laughs> give them a poison touch of four, which means the poison does four in terms of the damage effect on on the person. Mm, so most okay. humans would be susceptible to it, was basically the rating here. And of course, it's non-lethal poison. It's like knockout gas and things, because it's Batman. He's not going to kill anybody. So yeah. No, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so what about the bat shark repellent and all of that? Uh, well, Batman has three 10 AP ACD Omni gadgets. I'm going to explain it to take care of that. An omni gadget is a very clever way to say the hero has whatever he needs in any given situation. Well, three times per adventure in his case. Uh, he can pull three bat somethings out of his ass or a belt or boot or, you know, he's, he's got stuff secreted all over his, his body. And they can mimic, and this is the ACD part, they can mimic physical attributes, powers, and italicized attributes, which also, which kind of means he can replace a uh, stat with the stat of the, the thing. So basically, you know, the best example is if you've got an armor that increases your strength, the armor has a strength of whatever, and that is the strength that you can use. Mm, so that's okay. an italicized attribute. Uh, he cannot uh, mimic mental attributes. So he doesn't have a gadget in there that boosts his brain power. Gotcha. Is what it means. I think this is a very clever way to do it. Uh, then it's 10 APs of overall stats, basically, you can distribute into the, the gadget. You know, the game simulates the fact that Batman has all these crazy gadgets that he needs, and you don't have to stock up and say, well, okay, Batman's gonna... What do I pick up from the, the, the toolbox today, you know? Right. He just coincidentally happens to have the right thing. Right, he can have a bat thermos in his belt to get the alphabet soup that's left by Colonel Gum to, right. you know, track down. Yeah, exactly. He has the, <laughs> the bat handkerchief that Catwoman needs to dry your crocodile tears. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> My, my favorite. It's my favorite use of a, an Omni gadget on the '66 show. And then the equipment uh, section goes on. It tells us that the the Batman's costume is made of Kevlar, uh, which I guess is justification for his body of six. Though in reality, what they should have done if they want to do this is give him a body of five, like we said, but then say the costume has an italicized body of six. That, mm. So basically, when he's wearing it, he's got a six. When he's Bruce Wayne and some, you know, Deadshot sniping at him, he's got a five. Mm. Uh, yeah. but this, this would be more convoluted, you know, in the source book, but I think that would be much closer to reality. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and of course, this Batman, you know, it's we, we're now introducing the idea of him wearing Kevlar, and and it even describes the bullets that he can withstand, like he can withstand a Uzi submachine gun, but not an AK-47 at close range, ah. you know. So. <laughs> Do I think the AK probably is impervious to the AK today? That the, the sort of segmented armor kind of stuff that he wears. Oh yeah, today nowadays they've you know because of the basically because of uh, the movies more than anything you know and, and, and probably inspired by what he wore in The Dark Knight Returns to mm-hmm. a point he uh, you know he's Batman's you know armored to the teeth. I mean he, some sometimes he's like. 
he's basically Iron Man with a cape and a ears, yeah. you know, to, to, to a point. So <laughs> Yeah. I, I'd also say if you want to make the costume something, you should also give it a, a measure of stealth because mm-hmm. they do describe how he it, it's made spe- specially for him to hide. Um, it's non-reflective, that kind of stuff. They really make a difference between Batman in the suit and Bruce Wayne in, in civvies, naked Bruce Wayne. You know, walking around yeah. the mansion. Mm-hmm. It also mentions hidden lockpicks, a knife. Uh, so there's stuff that's not in the stats per se, but probably they're, they're sort of covered under Omni Gadgets in a very simple way. So that's the equipment uh, that he can wear. In terms of vehicles, uh, the Batmobile, should mention it, has a strength of seven, so he can pull an elephant if it needs to. Um mm. A body of nine, which makes it resistant to military-grade weapons. It has running eight, which gives it a speed of, they say, 225 miles per hour, which is a race car, basically. And Fox right. 7, Fog 7 simulates the smokescreen. Heat Vision 7 mm-hmm. is what I thought was the little-used laser blaster at the front. Does, does that show up a lot in comics? No, I mean, that's more of a, a 66-slash-super-friends thing, honestly. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I guess he has used it, but it, it's not as common. I mean, they actually keep the Batmobile in the comics, the standard Batmobile, pretty grounded. I mean, it's fast. It has the the gadgets that uh, the Aston Martin from Goldfinger would have, pretty much. But uh, uh, beyond that, it's not. Uh, it doesn't have like superpowers. You know, it's it's got more believable believable gadgets and, and, and things in it normally. And, and although I do think it's funny, and as much as I love the nineteen. 19- uh, 80s Batmobile, the with the it was basically the superpowers Batmobile, much like the 60s car with the bubble canopies, the double bubbles there. But at the same time, it's it can withstand all this military grade weapons, but it's open in the top, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. It's like yeah, I can totally see why the 89 Batmobile is completely covered. Uh, it makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. Well, I probably trade out the the laser beam in here, which almost off-model, and replace it with omni-gadgets, basically, because the Batmobile mm-hmm. also can do things based on the situation. Oh, now it can do this. Right. Um, and then, you know, if a player really wants to use an omni, I say gadget, but an omni system uh, from the Batmobile to to drive on walls, well, you, you do it. <laughs> do it i'm not gonna be happy about it <laughs> right it's like that's not homage batman forever but no. yeah uh, yeah if you if you want to yeah if you want to or if you want to do like the tumbler and make that kind of leap that you know where mm-hmm. it can actually carry a bridge across or whatever like it was supposed to be able to do uh that that would be cool or you know fire the grappling hook out of the side so you can make a a crazy 90 degree turn while you're going 225 miles an hour, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Just like uh, ejection seats, all that sort of stuff that we do see sometimes. And uh, maybe he wants to drop caltrips in the back or it, that's not in the stats here, but I would, I would allow it every game. You've got one system you can use to surprise your opponent based on the situation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we sure. also get stats for the bad glider, the bad copter, the whirly bats, as you might not be surprised to hear, they have the flight power. Uh, and uh, the Batcycle, which is only half as fast as the Batmobile, but sometimes, I guess, you need to weave through traffic. All of these are included in the book. Uh, we also have the Bat Signal, which has a flash of seven. That's a brightness power. Um, mm. So if you were to, to, to shine it in somebody's eyes, but I guess it's strong enough to, to project something on the, the permanent <laughs> cloud cover over right. uh, Gotham City. In terms of the Batcave, well, we can talk about the Bat Computer. It has an intelligence of six which is about the same as a college student. It can uh, come to college-level conclusions, I guess, about detective stuff, gadgetry, forensics, military science, 
or just plain science. Technically, it holds information equivalent to having a renowned expert in those fields on hand. If you're trying to model a computer, a non-sentient computer, that's basically the capabilities of the bat computer. It's really not a, uh, a replacement for Batman's brain power. Right. Yeah. And it's you know it's 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 funny that they even they still call it the bat computer here, which is you know definitely something from the the TV show and then the the filmation animated series ran with it and super friends did it's it's kind of it's of course everything's bat this and that still but it's and i mean i guess they still kind of reference it the bat computer it's kind of funny like that's when computers were still semi-exotic to us you know we didn't a lot of people didn't have pcs and we didn't have computers in our pockets like we've got nowadays mm-hmm. right so <laughs> so yeah yeah the big bad computer with the uh real to real tape real yeah, to real, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so okay the book also has sections on whether or not Batman is a killer or whether or not he is sane. So <laughs> is Batman sane? And if he isn't, uh, then are his stats still appropriate? Or if, if he is, are his stats still appropriate? Is that catastrophic irrational attraction a problem of his sanity? You know, you, you're the expert. Is Batman sane? At this point, I say yes. Nowadays, I'm not so sure. Uh <laughs> Batman was definitely more mentally healthy, although we are beginning to wade into, you know, like we said with Mike Barr, I mean, Mike Barr kind of opened that door in a lot of ways to a Batman who is less than perfect. He's not Superman that, you know, in, in without superpowers, he's a he's a very different character. Um, he's a potentially damaged character. You know, his his relationships with with people Maybe because of the trauma he's went through, maybe because of he devotes so much of his life and his time, you know, to his crusade and and, and the fact that his, you know, he was called the Cape Crusader, which, of course, the crusade is a holy war. But now there's all this emphasis even in this book, this holy war against crime, you know. Yeah, you know, I, I think we're starting to lean into that era where you question if Batman's insane. Now, in the DC universe, I don't think it's an insane thing to do to put on a costume and fight crime. It's just like another, you know, occupation you can have because there's so many superheroes, you know, in the real world, uh, you know, or in the, the movies that we've seen where, or at least, you know, obviously the DCEU, there's other superheroes, but oddly enough, that was the craziest Batman we've got on screen yet. Uh, But, but um, Michael Keaton, Batman. Yeah. That's, you know, they go with that. This guy's got to be half a bubble off or he wouldn't be out doing this thing. Right. You know, the Joker's totally nuts, but Batman's maybe, Hmm, he he might be a little strange, but uh, yeah, I I think at this point, I kind of agree with the conclusions that Mike Stackpole, the author uh, made here he, he examines it pretty well that yeah batman while driven is not insane he still he understands everything he does he understands the consequence of what he's doing he understands what it costs him he understands that his mission might alienate his proteges his you know his partner i mean although we are getting into the era here where like probably right after this book was published, we were getting into uh, like Lonely Place of Dying, where you literally have Batman going off the deep end and, you know, Dick notices it. Tim Drake becomes involved and then they realize, well, you know, maybe Batman needs a Robin to balance him out. And and that's where you introduce Tim as Robin. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're, we're on the cusp. But right now, as of this book, yeah, Batman's still sane. Yeah. I mean, he has <laughs> mental health issues. They're represented in his attraction to justice they're represented mm-hmm. in his traumatic flashbacks 
so that his PTSD mm-hmm. certainly has those issues, but right. he's not delusional the right. way that many of his villains are. His obsession yeah. is that is still within the parameters of what a superhero should be doing. It's not like he's taking side trips because there's a bat. I want to follow it. <laughs> right. <laughs> that exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah. So how did he rate generally? You think this is a good modeling of Batman? Would you be happy if you were playing this version of Batman? Yeah, I think so. And I think this Batman of this era is kind of, in a lot of ways, because he does have the beginnings of the little uh, the, the psychological examination of the character and, and what the trauma that, that created him would mean for him throughout his life. I, I think in a lot of ways, you still have some of the aspects of the near-perfect paragon of virtue that was the Earth-1 Batman. I mean, although the Earth-1 Batman was, you know, as, as the 70s and 80s rolled on, became a little more, a little more developed and a little more uh, fleshed out. Um, he wasn't quite the, you know, the, the scout master Batman, as I've heard some people call him, like Adam West would have been. But I, I think because you have the mixing of the, the more traditional at that time, Batman and this slightly edgier take on him, you get more of kind of what I kind of like. That's kind of how I like my Batman. I like him just a little dark. I like him a little dark. I like him a little, a little hard to, uh, to deal with, but not a total jerk, not a total prick and unlikable, uh, unrelatable, uh, person that no one wanted anything to do with, you know? So I feel like this is Batman's a lot like the animated series, Batman, the, the, you know, the Tim verse, he's, He's got issues, but he also he, he tries to do right by those that are that 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 are close to him. But occasionally he screws up and he pushes them away. But then he you know tries to make amends and get them back. And in the early two thousands, they sort of leaned in. You know, he became sort of a Vril Dox kind of character, kind of a manipulator. Right. Where mm, you're you're an antihero in a way that, that we don't like it. You know, where he right. is unlikable even to the reader. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I and I'm I like this Batman. And in fact, I think these stats represent this era pretty well. I mean, minor niggles aside that we brought up, uh, I think it represents them pretty well. And I actually would probably prefer to play this Batman than like a more modern take of Batman, like from the 2000s and and so on. So, yeah, I think they did a pretty good job. Okay, cool. Uh, well, thanks for doing this with me, uh, Chris. Will you tell people what you're working on in your corner of the Fire and Water Podcast Network? Sure, sure. Uh, hopefully, by the time this episode drops, it won't be too long before we have a new episode of JLU Cast. We've taken a break for a while because we went back to Supermates and did our Halloween House of Frankenstein. Uh, so we should be coming back to JLU Cast and uh, also... Uh, Rob and I are wrapping up Superman 2 over on Superman Movie Minute. Uh, so you can check that out. We're, we're getting, we're getting to the end of that one. So, uh, we got to look ahead to, uh, eventually to Superman 3, which should be fun. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I don't dislike <laughs> Superman 3, you know? I don't really either. I don't really either. There's parts of it that I think are, I, I don't think exactly it was the, the Superman movie everybody, I don't think it's a Superman movie anybody particularly wanted, but I think there's aspects of it that are, that are really good. And there's some of my favorite, actually some of my favorite moments in the series in there, but there's also some of my least favorite moments Mm -hmm. in the series in there too. So (laughs) great. Well, believe it or not, I, in 20 minutes uh, at the time we're, we're um, taping this, uh, I, I'm receiving people to play a role playing game. So (laughs) 
Oh, cool. <laughs> so, cool. So I'll let you go. Uh, and it's not DC Heroes, unfortunately. Well, not unfortunately. I I played so much. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we'll take a short break here, and I'll be back after the game. I'll be back with your feedback from our previous episode. Batman Nightcast, a thrilling new podcast from the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Hosted by Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin. Nightcast chronicles the Cape Crusaders' adventures in Batman and Detective Comics after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Highlights from this legendary era include... Batman number 400. Legends. Mike Barr and Alan Davis. Batman Year One. Batman Year Two. Max Allen Collins. Ugh. Um, the new Jason Todd. Ugh. Millennium? You're not doing this right. Let me take over. Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park? Did you hear me say Norm freaking Brayfogle? Oh, yeah. Son of the Demon. The Killing Joke. A Death in the Family. Batman Year 3. A Lonely Place of Dying. Alan Grant, Alan Davis, Max Allen Collins. Why are there so many people named Alan from this era of Batman? The Rise of Tim Drake. Legends of the Dark Knight. And that's just up until 1989. Did anything exciting happen with Batman after that? You'll have to tune in to find out. Batman Nightcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find it on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Oh, we forgot to mention your favorite issue, When Batman Fires Dick Grayson. You want to find another co-host? So this is a selection of your feedback from our previous episode, where we discussed... The Dream Machine, which was a really a Teen Titans, but it was labeled as the Joker module, adventure module, uh, by uh, Mark Akers. And uh, my guest was David Gallagher. So here's what you had to say about it. Uh, Jeff R. says the module was obviously ahead of its time, presenting a murder clown perplexed by magnets and how they work. Uh, Boston Ross says, wow, we must think alike. My two favorite modules of the DC game, and you've covered them already. So yeah, this was a cool episode. I totally missed the Titanic Titans reference as well. You know, so did I back in the day. Uh, I look forward to hearing these with more regularity. Perhaps different versions of the stars should be compared. There are a couple of different versions of Firestorm, but bunches of Aquaman, say Golden Age, Silver Age, Detroit era, Hook Aquaman, current comic Aquaman, movie Aquaman. Uh, well, we'd have to stat those up, obviously. Or at least check out writeups.org, where somebody might have. Robert Markham asks, does the Joker remember his encounter with the Shaper of Worlds and the Hulk just a few years before this module? That, Robert, is at the GM's discretion. We've got Brian Linton says, this sounds like an incredible module. I'm thinking you could adapt the mechanics from it to create some great mind-bending Grant Morrison-style JLA adventures. In particular, I'm reminded of JLA number 11, where Superman and Martian Manhunter were trapped inside a hard light construct maze that was shaped and controlled by the Joker's mind. Thanks for covering this. I'm looking forward to the next character spotlight. And I've, I'm also reminded of the one with the, the key holding the JLAers uh, in Elseworlds simulations, and, you know, green the new Green Arrow has to save the day. Uh, Slobberknocker says, great show. Unfortunately, I never got the chance to run this one. And Chris Franklin, who we just had on the show, says, fun show. Even though I'm an RPG wannabe in a lot of ways, I was totally engaged throughout. The cover does remind me a lot of the Batman vs. Hulk. Dolly-esque spreads of the Joker's madness as amplified by the Shaper of Worlds. Plus, I don't think DC had made enough out of the Joker going after the extended Bat family outside of the main Bat titles. A revenge bout with Nightwing would be fun, especially back in that old continuity. 
And you know, Chris, the beauty of role-playing games is that it doesn't matter what the comic book publishers are doing. You can make it happen. And I think that's part of the charm of perhaps playing with the actual DC or Marvel or whatever characters rather than your own is rewriting history. So before I thank Chris one last time, I do want to remind you, as I talked about on the top of the show, we have a Patreon page at uh, patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. So if you like this kind of content, you can contribute, perhaps uh, one time or a monthly donation. It unlocks rewards, and it also, uh, there are stretch goals that force us to do things, including, and I think we we did reach that uh, that level, I must, in 2020, run a game of DCH with other podcasters and friends as a podcast. So uh, that's going to take a lot of planning. So uh, give me a little time to, to make it happen. But I've chosen the adventure. I've got a couple of players that are pretty much sure shots. Uh, we just have to, we need a time to do it in. And I need to structure it so that it's something you can listen to. And not just people rolling dice uh, on a table. Uh, you forced my hand. After all these years, you're going to get your uh, live play session on Hero Points. So now I can thank my guest, Chris Franklin, uh, for his help on this. We'll see you in the new year and uh, would, of course, love to hear your comments about this episode and Batman and role-playing games. You can leave those at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on our Facebook page or even on Twitter where we are, FW Podcasts. I think that wraps things up, so let's roll. <laughs>